0: Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Luke chapter 4 and talk today about temptations and trials and tribulations and troubles. Let me read to you Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Just follow along carefully as I read these verses to you. "'showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world "'in a moment of time. "'And the devil said unto him, "'All this power will I give thee, "'and the glory of them, "'for that is delivered unto me, "'and to whomsoever I will give it. "'If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine.' "'And Jesus answered and said unto him, "'Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, "'Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, "'and him only shalt thou serve.' "'And he brought him to Jerusalem.' And set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. I know that some of you, those that are here this morning, have really, really been going through it, difficult um, decisions to make, uh, unusual pressures, things popping up that you never expected. Just this week, while I was gone, and and you guys were good, nobody bothered me, but just this week while I was gone, people who are not a part of this church called me to express concern about a relative who needs help, <clears throat> who's addicted to drugs and needs help. I had a lady call me and say that her boyfriend's brother died. And uh, as far as I know, the boyfriend nor the brother are, are saved. Um, I had another person uh, call me, um, and, and he has been working toward a, a new job for a while, so he sold his house. Because he was going to move a long way away for a new job. And he called me and said, it looks like uh, that new job is going to be put on hold. And my family's sort of in limbo because we don't know, do we stay? And I mean, we don't have a house anymore. Where where do we go? What do we do? Uh, Then uh, some of you have heard this, but uh, uh, the Cullies called me and they told me about the church, Grace Baptist Church in Maui. The church building burned down. Their school building burned down. The pastor's house burned down. And the associate pastor's house burned down in the fires there in, in, in Maui. Uh, we have a missionary whose wife is in the hospital or, or was in the hospital with pneumonia. All that just came up this week and that's not even the burdens that we're bearing here at Elmira Baptist Church. So I know that we're really going through it and I sense that. And I sense that a lot of the reason for the increased difficulty for the increased opposition is because as a church we're trying to move forward. And of course, whenever we try to move forward, the enemy tries to keep us back. And I, I'll just speak as a human being. Boy, that's when you just want to say, listen, I'll just give up. Listen, if you'll leave me alone, I'll, try, I'll quit trying to move forward. Don't give in to that temptation. Yes, it would be easier if we did nothing. Yes, it would be easier if we weren't trying to see people saved and baptized. If we weren't trying to disciple, if we weren't trying to move forward. It would be much easier, but we don't want life we don't want lives of ease. We want to please the Savior. Job tells us, one of his friends actually said this, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. And uh, whether you are doing right or you're doing wrong, trust me, trouble is a normal part of the human experience. Peter tells us in chapter 4, we read in chapter 1, and he told us that you're going to go through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. He also tells his brethren, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. For the Christian, temptations and trials and tribulation and troubles, they all have a purpose. They all have a purpose. God's always at work, even in our struggles. Amy Carmichael said it this this way, referring to pruning a plant. She said, what a prodigal waste it appears to be to see scattered on the ground the bright green leaves and the bare stem bleeding in a hundred places from the sharp knife. But with a tried and trusted husbandman, there is not a random stroke in it all. Nothing cut away which it would not have been lost to keep and gain to lose. So don't be surprised. That the battle is fierce, don't be surprised that there's extra pressures. Don't be surprised when you're on the reading on the prayer chain and you find out that another member of Almira Baptist churches has something very unusual ha- uh, unusual happen to them. We should expect tribulation and trials and temptation. Now let me just sort of generally, just big terms. I'm not trying to be real specific, but make some distinctions between these three words in the way that I'm going to use them today. This is not necessarily the way they're used in in the New Testament just as I talk today. I'm going to talk about tribulations will be those events that swirl around us, not necessarily directed at us, but that we've got we've got to deal with. Think about the church, Grace Baptist Church there in in Maui that lost their building. It wasn't that Somebody came and set fire to their building. There's a, there's a bigger issue there about a, a wildfire gone out of control that burns down a whole town, and they're just a part of that. Let, let's sort of think of those as tribulations. By the way, God's in that too. I don't mean to say that God isn't in that. That's not my point. But I'm just saying that affects a lot of people. But you know, sometimes God custom designs circumstances and events just for you. Let's call those trials. Trials. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.6, that the trying of your faith, he's testing our faith. He's strengthening our faith. He's, he's showing, God knows what our faith is, but he's showing us what our faith is. Those trials, they are directed at you. I think of my friend who's been planning to, for some time now, to take this new job, sort of his life dream job, and now have that put on hold, circumstances outside of his control. That's a trial. It's directed, it's it's designed by God to build in my friend Christ-like character. And then there are temptations. Temptations Temptations are when you make a choice whether you're going to obey God or whether you're going to give in to self, whether you're going to yield to self, whether you're just going to do it your way. Let's call those temptations. Now, we're going to have all three of these Trials, temptations, and tribulations. We're going to have all three of these for as long as we live. Listen to what Jesus said. We've sung this song, but listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So God, Jesus promised us you're going to have tribulation. But here's the good news. Jesus has overcome. And God wants you, God wants me to experience daily, consistent victory over the tribulations in our lives. Trials. Trials are all around us. Um, Turn with me, hold your place in Luke 4, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Let me show you a few verses there, one of which you probably know really well. But let me show you the, the context here. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He says right now we're going through sufferings. At a later point we're going to experience glory. And when we compare the two, there's going to be no comparison. But the problem is, the truth is, as human beings, we can't compare the two. We haven't experienced glory. So the sufferings seem really difficult. But this is what he says in verse 28, and this is the verse you know. Romans eight twenty-eight says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But notice verse 29, because it tells us what the good is. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the good that God is trying to work in your life and in my life by custom-designing trials and and painful experiences and disappointment. He's custom-designed those so that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what a trial is. Now, today I want to focus on temptations. Among these three, although they go together, uh, I want to focus on temptations. Now, again, they go together because any time you have... Trials and tribulations and troubles, you're going to be tempted. Uh, Years ago there was a, I don't even remember the fast food brand that said you can have it your way. And so you imagine you go into the restaurant, this happened just this week. I was at a fast food restaurant, and I heard someone say, I'd like a hamburger, hold the bun. Now, to me, it's not a hamburger without a bun. Okay, but they will do that for you, they'll give you the meat. They'll give you the the lettuce and the tomato, and they'll just keep out the bread. And some people have to do that because of their diet. I I get that. I'm not making fun. But you can't say to God, I'll take the trials and tribulations and troubles, but I don't want the temptations. It would be like walking into McDonald's and saying, I'd like a milkshake. Hold the cup. (laughs) You can't do that. You won't have a milkshake if they don't give you the cup. And so any time that you're going through a time of trial and tribulation and trouble, There's going to be pressure. And the pressure is going to tempt you to take a shortcut. The pressure is going to tempt you to just do it your way. The the pressure is going to tempt you to just say, you know, I, I don't know what God has in this, but I know what I'm going to do. That's the temptation. We all face those temptations. James tells us, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Not if, when. Because again, the temptations are guaranteed. So here we are in our text. I'm turning back now to Luke chapter 4. The wilderness, Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness. The wilderness is that place for Jesus. Is that place of tribulation and trial and trouble and temptation. So let me ask you the question, just rhetorically, think about this for a second. Look at verses 1 and 2 there with me. Let me read them to you. And the question is this. How did Jesus end up in that wilderness with tribulation and trials and trouble and temptation? Let me read the verses to you again. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. How did he end up there? Was he out of God's will? God the Father's will? No, no. The Holy Spirit led him to that place of tribulation and trial and trouble and there would be temptation there. Now, I want to be very clear. The Holy Spirit did not lead him to the temptation. The temptation came from Satan. The the text tells us this. But he led him to the place where he was going to be tempted. Jesus was there because that was exactly where God the Father wanted him. Now, think about this as far as being in the wilderness. Imagine getting lost in Yosemite. You go out on a day hike. You're just planning to be gone one day. You're just, you know, take some water. You take some, uh, you know, granola bars or whatever you take on your hikes with you. And you're just going to be gone four or five hours. You're going to be back to the to the parking lot. But somehow you get turned around and now you're lost. You don't know where you're at. Can you imagine being lost in Yosemite without food for 40 days? <laughs> That would, that would certainly be pressure. Every once in a while, we find they find someone after four or five days, and we're just amazed. Sometimes they never find these people. They go out on hikes and never come back. That's the wilderness experience for Jesus, and he's there because God the Father wants him there. So often we think that if we just do everything right, you know, if we just keep up our our, our, our proper fences and we just stay where we're supposed to be and we do what we're supposed to do, that we'll never have trials and tribulations. That is a lie of the devil to discourage you. You can be doing everything right. You can be exactly where God wants you. You can be right in the center of his will, and you're going to experience trials and tribulations and trouble. And on top of that, you can't keep temptations away. And the reason you can't keep temptations away, James tells us, because every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, you carry your temptations with you. Now, you can make it worse by putting yourself in places where, you're going to, where you know you're going to be tempted. I'm not suggesting that we ought to do that. But even if we're, we're meticulous and trying to maintain some boundaries and, 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 and trying to keep ourselves from being in places or being with people where we know we're going to experience temptation, even if we go through all those uh, and we're careful we're still going to find ourselves tempted. And temptations may come and they may go. Sometimes you may be less tempted. Sometimes you may be more tempted. But even in those times where temptation seems to fade, trust me, it'll be back. Look at verse 13 with me. Luke chapter 4, 13 says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him, what are the next three words? For a season. Not forever. Now the Bible doesn't record the other temptations that Jesus experienced. So we don't know exactly what those were. But we know this, that it wasn't as if, okay, Jesus won that battle. Now he never had to face temptation again. In fact, Hebrews tells us he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So you may not be going through a time of trial and trouble and and tribulation and temptation right now. Trust me, you will. You will. Take notes. Remind yourself of these truths when those troubles come. And let me remind you, too, that the surest way to experience that consistent victory over sin, that consistent victory over temptation, is to walk in the Spirit. Galatians tells us that. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants you to have constant victory over sin. God's provided everything you need, everything I need to experience victory every moment of every day. What does 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tell us? Let me read it to you. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So all the resources I need for consistent victory, are there, the question is whether I'll utilize them or not. So let's look at these temptations that Jesus experienced. And the first temptation is to turn stones into bread. Why? Because he's hungry. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days. He's been fasting. And now he comes to the end of those 40 days. The Bible says afterward, he hungered. And now he's hungry, and Satan comes along and he says, Are are you hungry? Let's just solve this problem right now. Make these stones into bread. But I want you to notice the clause that comes ahead of Satan's um, um, statement, command, make these stones into bread. He says, If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. Now, where had Jesus, before Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days... Where had Jesus been? He'd been baptized in the Jordan. And what happened when Jesus was, when, when, when John the Baptist pushed Jesus down into the water and brought him back up again, there was a voice out of heaven that said what? This is my beloved son. And now 40 days later, Satan says, now, I mean, yeah, I, that, that's true. That's what God the Father said. But if you're really the son of God, you can make these stones into bread. You see the temptation is not primarily this temptation is not primarily about whether the stones are going to become edible or not. The temptation is about whether Jesus, who is God's son, is going to trust in God the Father's word or not. Because God the Father had said, "This is my beloved son." There was no more to prove, right? But here comes Satan and says, now listen, if you're really the son of God, make these stones into bread. And so many of your temptations are going to follow this same pattern. God's going to give you a promise in his word. God's going to give you a truth to live by, a principle to live by in his word. And Satan's going to come along and say, does it it really work that way? Can you really trust God's word? And you're going to find yourself at a crossroads. You're going to have one road that goes off to the right and one road that goes off to the left. And, and road number one is the road of, of non-faith. Yes, I know God said it, but maybe it doesn't apply to me. I was talking with my daughters. My three daughters were down. Uh, uh, two daughters were down from Oregon. My other daughter lives here. The three daughters and I, we were talking. We're talking about people who know what God's word says and choose. They're not, not even pressured. In. They just choose to do it their own way. And I said, why would you do that? And one of my daughters wisely said, well, because they don't really believe God's word applies to them. Now, that's not the only explanation, but she's right. So many times we know what God's word says, but we think, that's not really for me. And the temptation is non-faith, not to believe that God's word is true. When we believe God's word is true, it always leads us to obedience. Obedience is the indication Obedience is not the faith, but obedience is the indication of my faith. So what was Jesus' response? He says, man shall not, he quoted Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus' response was this, God's word and my faith in God's word is more essential than daily food. Later on look up if you would uh, Job chapter 22 verse 22 and Job 23 verse 12. In Job 22:22, 22, 22, one of Job's friends says, "You know what? You need to pay more attention to God's word." And Job comes back in Job 23:12 and he says, "I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food." There's something more important than eating. Jesus says to Satan, there's something more important than eating, Job says to his friend, and that is the word of God. Now, when we lived in Mongolia, we noticed something uh, about the bread there that was different than the bread here. If you, brought, if you went to the store and bought bread on Monday, you had best eat it by Wednesday or Thursday. Because if you didn't, guess what? It would very quickly become moldy. Now, I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse, but we use a lot of preservatives in, in, in store-bought bread. And you can usually keep bread for a week or even more in the United States. But if you just make bread without preservatives, it will go bad in just a few days. Now, let me ask you the question, are you, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, are you eating moldy bread? You see, God wants us to be in his word every day. It should be fresh, It should be exciting. It should be something we look forward to. You know, if you can come on Sunday, and I'm glad you're here today, and you can take some notes down, but Sunday's message won't get you all the way to Saturday. God wants you to get something for yourself on Monday and on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we meet and we have a Bible study. Get something for yourself on Wednesday. Come to the Bible study. And then Thursday and Friday and every day you need to be in God's Word. Don't, spiritually speaking... (coughs) Don't eat moldy bread. Make sure it's fresh every day. Now here's the second temptation. The second temptation, Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain and in a moment of time, the Bible says, in a moment of time, he showed him all these kingdoms and he says, listen, I can give this all to you if you'll just worship me. Now, first of all, I just want you to recognize Satan is lying. It was not in Satan's power to give all those kingdoms to anybody. But have you ever noticed that I can, I've seen this just observation, I can tell somebody the truth and the truth hurts. And so they go to a friend who lies to them and says, ah, no, it doesn't have to be that way at all. And they're much more likely to follow the friend who lies to them because their friend holds out something that's completely unreasonable. And a year or two later, it'll all resolve itself, and they'll see, they'll see that their friend lied to them, that they were led down the wrong path. And you'll say, okay, now are you ready to do it God's way? And they'll say, no, 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 I've got a friend who's telling me, quit listening to ungodly counsel. (coughs) But that's not the temptation. Here in the Bible... Look with me at verse 6. The devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee. Now let me ask you a question. Today, August 13th, 2023, does Jesus have all power? Yes, yes. amen. In fact, in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, what does Jesus say? All power is given unto me. So what is Satan offering him? Because Jesus is going to get all power anyway. And I, and I know, I know Jesus is God. So here he has all power at this time of temptation. But you do understand he's taken on human form. And, and there is a path that Jesus, God's son, has to go through to get over here to Matthew twenty eight eighteen, And between Luke chapter 4, when he's being tempted by Satan, and Satan says, all this power I'll give to you. And Matthew twenty eight eighteen where Jesus says, all power is given unto me in that intervening period, is what horrific event? The cross. The crucifixion. And Satan is saying to Jesus, listen. Now, by the way, did Jesus know that he was going to be crucified? Yeah. yeah. He was telling his disciples multiple times. He told his disciples, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and the religious leaders are going to arrest me, and they're going to crucify me, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. It was not as if Jesus did not know about these circumstances. (coughs) So what Satan is offering Jesus, and again, it's a false offer. I understand that. You understand that. But what he's offering Jesus is he's offering Jesus a shortcut to God's will. Listen, you don't have to go through the cross to get this power. You don't need to wait. You can have it right now. Now, one of the great tragedies of our time as Christians who, and I believe them to be sincere, they're sincerely wrong, but they're sincere and they want to accomplish God's will and so they take a shortcut. In their mind, it's a shortcut. I'm still going to arrive at the same point as God wants me to arrive at. I've just got a better way to get there. But the temptation is, do you trust God's plan? Because God's plan often involves time and waiting. And I don't know about you, I don't like waiting. That's why we like fast food. Right? Nobody's, nobody can convince me that we honestly believe that McDonald's or In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A or El Polo Loco is better food for you than what you can make for yourself at home. Well, some of you can't make food at home. So, okay, I get that. <laughs> It's not that it's healthier, it's that it's so immediate. You can walk in five or ten minutes later, you can walk out with a meal. And we love that instantaneous aspect. As Americans, we just love to get things done. My dad asked me the other day about a UPS store. It was a Saturday. You know, is there a UPS store open on Saturday? And I was thinking, and I was discussing with my mom, you know, 20 years ago, if you would have said to me, is there a UPS store open on Saturday, you would have gotten out a big book. Now, some of you are too young to remember, but it was called the Yellow Pages. And you would have had to find UPS store. And then they would list a number and an address, and you'd have to pick up the phone, and you'd have to call them, and someone would have to answer. And you'd say, are you open today? And I always felt like an idiot when someone answers the phone on a Saturday to say, are you open today? Well, if they're not open, why are they answering the phone? (laughs) But that was the way you found out if they're open. Now, we just open up a program. Literally 10 or 15 seconds later, I said to my dad, "Yep, the UPS store is open. Here's the address. It's open till three o'clock today." <laughs> we love that instantaneous aspect of our lives, but let me remind you, God's will is rarely instantaneous. Now praise the Lord, it's instantaneous in salvation. Roger said, "Aren't you glad that we're saved by grace?" And I say a hearty amen to that." And that's instantaneous. But there's a lot of parts of God's plan, that take time, and I, frankly, do not like to wait. Arab Judson, and I've told you about him before, he was a missionary from the United States to Myanmar, Uh, used to be called Burma. Here in the month of October, we're going to have Dan Armacost with us, he's also headed to Myanmar, and I hope that he'll give us some more information about that country in October, but... Adoniram Judson left the United States, went to Myanmar, uh, worked to learn the Burmese language, worked to uh, evangelize, and it was seven years, seven years from the time that Adoniram Judson left the United States until he baptized his first Burmese convert. Seven years. That's a long time. We don't like to wait. And God's plan often involves time. And Satan comes along and says, listen, you don't need to wait. I can give it to you right now. Let me tell you, Satan is lying. Do you trust God's plan? God's plan often involves disappointment. We, we, have, we have our own plan. We, we think it's God's plan and we see so clearly how God wants me to get from A to B and as I'm m- moving step by step from A to B, all of a sudden something happens and I never arrive at B. And I say, God, what happened? Think about this pastor, Pastor Brown of Grace Baptist Church in Maui. Do you think he was praying for his church building to burn down? he was praying, you know, Lord, it would be really nice if I just lost my house. Uh, you know that school building that we train young people? Uh, we don't need that anymore. I don't think he prayed that at all. And I've not talked to him personally, but I can guarantee you that the temptation is to be disappointed and give up on God. So, well, hey, I, I spent all this time gathering the people that are the church, building the building, building the school. I had my own house and now God just took it away from me. Think about Job. God's plan often involves disappointment. After 12 years, Judson had led 18 Burmese people to Christ and baptized them. 18 people in 12 years, not exactly huge numbers. And then war broke out between the British and the Burmese. Now, Iron Judson was not British. But he spoke English, just like the British spoke. So the Burmese people thought, well, he must be on the enemy's side. And they threw him into a death camp. And his people were scattered. And for several years, he was in this death camp, expecting to die any day, to be executed any day. And if he wasn't executed, to die of disease or starvation. And somehow he got through that. But now after 14, 15 years in the country, he gets out of this death camp... And his church is gone. The people are gone. Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a disappointment? I think it would be a real big disappointment. And God's plan not only involves time and it not only involves disappointment, but God's plan often involves pain. And I don't know about you, I am not a big fan of pain. I don't like pain because pain hurts. And often we are going to do anything possible to avoid pain. But let me remind you that God's plan often involves pain. Because why? Because He's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Add Aaron Judson, he gets out of prison, out of that death camp. He begins to evangelize again. He does know the language this time, but he's starting over from scratch. And his wife dies. Anna, who had been his constant companion and friend, a a fellow laborer in the task, she's dead, the church is gone, there's no ministry. I don't know, I I can't even imagine. I, I, I don't have the mental capacity to put myself in his shoes and even begin to know what my response might be. But I'll tell you what, it's during those times of waiting... It's during the times of disappointment and it's during the times of pain that Satan comes to you and he says, listen, I've got a shortcut for you. You don't have to go through the cross to get to the all power, Jesus. Scott, you don't have to go through the waiting and the disappointment and the pain to get to God's goal. I've got a better plan. And frankly, when we're under pressure, When we're going through tribulations and trials and troubles, guess what? We are tempted to doubt God's plan, to question his thinking. Does he really know what he's doing? And to wonder if the difficult way is the right way. We're tempted to ask ourselves and and people around us even, isn't there an easier way to do this? Now I want you to notice what Jesus' response was. In verse 8, Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus says, in a word, I'm going to worship God, the Father, and serve him alone, regardless of the cost. Let's call that idea that I and you and we are are, are willing to serve God Regardless of the cost, we're willing to worship God regardless of the cost. Let's call that the way of the cross. Now let's be frank, the way of the cross is not an American idea. It's not. I was reading uh, an article this past week uh, about a man, his name is Russell Moore, some of you know of him, and I'm just going to quote what Russell Moore said. He said, multiple pastors have told me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount, parenthetically in their preaching, turn the other cheek. And to have someone come up after to say, where did you get those liberal talking points? And what was alarming to me, I'm still quoting Russell Moore, what was alarming to me is that in most of these scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, the response would not be, I'm sorry, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. Do we trust God's plan? I think as Americans, we've decided there's a better way to do Christianity. There's a better way to live our lives. We don't need God's word anymore. We don't need God to tell us what to do. Sure, he can give us some advice, right? The Bible becomes like like an advice column, and we read it. If we like it, sure, we'll do that. And if we don't like it, we'll ask somebody else for advice. The temptation is, do you trust God's plan? Are you completely committed to say, I am worshiping God and I'm serving him regardless of the cost? Now, again, I know some of you are really going through it. You feel as if you're going through a meat grinder. Like you're that piece of of raw meat that's been shoved into the, the, the opening there, and on the other end are all these sharp blades that are just going to chop you up so that you come out on the other side as hamburger. But let me remind you that the way of the cross is a way of waiting and disappointment and pain. And Jesus knows that all too well. Jesus knows it better than we know it. First Peter 2.21 says this, for even here were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Some of you are familiar with the book, In His Steps, which, which, which uh, inspired the, the WWJD bracelets that were a big uh, hit about 15, 20 years ago. What would Jesus do? Here's what Jesus would do. Jesus would choose to serve God alone and to worship him regardless of the cost even if it means going through the meat grinder, even if it means going through the cross, even if it means being unjustly accused and betrayed by by a dear friend, can you trust God's plan for your life? When the plan involves tribulation and trial, when it just seems overwhelming, can you say, regardless of the cost, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to worship Him alone. The second temptation is do you trust God's plan? Well, Judson was one who continued to trust God's plan. He got past the death of his wife, he got past the scattering of his church, and over the next two decades of ministry in Myanmar, missionary researchers believe that literally hundreds of thousands of people in Myanmar came to faith in Jesus Christ through his preaching, through the preaching of fellow missionaries that he trained and helped with the language and with the culture and through the nationals that that, those two groups trained to preach the gospel. What if Adam and Judson would have given up after 15 years? What if he would have said, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. This doesn't even make sense to me. The temptation of the second, uh, excuse me, the crux of this second temptation is do you trust God? God's plan. I'm going to come to the third temptation next week, but let me get to these applications here. You know, when I trust God's Word, then I believe that God's Word is more important than my daily bread. I can tell you how much you think of God's Word if you'll tell me how much you've read this last week. Now, I don't mean, some of you may read two or three verses and meditate on those two or three verses and take 20 or 30 minutes on a chapter. Yeah, I'm not talking about quantity. How much quality time did you spend in God's Word this last week? Or are you just eating moldy bread from Sunday to Sunday? I can tell you what you think of God's Word by how obedient you are. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. Young people, the Bible has a lot to say about how to respond to your parents. It's not always easy. But again, the way of the cross is not a way of ease. It's a way of patience and a way of disappointment and a way of pain. But believe me, it's worth it. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Are we listening to what the Bible has to say? It's not just young people, by the way. I can list off people my age and older who call themselves Christians and are currently living with someone who's not their spouse, and they'll say things like this. This came up just this last week. Well, I'd have to give up my Social Security if we got married. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Don't, don't come to explain Social Security to me, please. That's, that's not what, my point. Here's my point. Are you trusting the government, or are you trusting God? I, I, I'm just, I like to keep it simple. And if I truly trust God, I'm going to do what his word says before I'm going to do what makes sense to me. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of times that what I think and what the Bible says don't don't line up. And I've got to decide whether I'm going to go with God's word or that I'm going to trust my own thinking. Are you committed to worshiping God and serving him regardless of the cost? Regardless of the cost. Sometimes that cost is waiting. Sometimes that cost is disappointment. Sometimes that cost is pain. And let's be frank, when we see a long path ahead of us, and it's not real clear exactly what's at the end of the path, but we know that between here and there, it's going to be a long time, and it's going to be painful, and I'm sure there's going to be pitfalls and disappointments on the way, we say, hey, where's the shortcut to get from here to there? Don't do that to God. People will, people I know will take decades to destroy their marriage. And then they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, we've got to get this fixed. And I'll say, praise the Lord. You've come to the right place. Let's get the word of God. Let's see what the word of God says. And then they'll look at that and say, do you think we can be back together next month? <laughs> and I, I've learned it helps, it helps everyone if I just say, listen, you, you've taken decades now to live selfishly disobedient to God's word, and now you want me to solve the problem in a month. It doesn't work that way. The question is, do you trust God's plan enough to wait? Do you trust God's plan enough to to overcome and move past disappointment? Do you trust God's plan enough to endure the pain? One more uh, verse. Uh, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 talking about the way of the cross and trusting God's plan. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to just read it now that I'm there. Hebrews 12, listen to this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is Hebrews 12, two, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. That's the bad stuff here's the good stuff, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in, in your minds. As Americans, we don't like the way of the cross. I don't like the way of the cross. I, I, I just, I want to make it easy. Here, just do these couple of things, and hey, it's all going to work out, and uh, probably, yeah, maybe September, October. No, that's not the way the Christian life works. And if you're looking for shortcuts, guess what? Satan is going to offer you shortcuts. If you're looking for shortcuts, your friends, they're going to offer you shortcuts. If you're looking for shortcuts, boy, you can find them. But trust me, they lead to destruction. They lead to, the Bible says this there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's what it leads. So here's the invitation. This afternoon, I know that you're going through trouble and tribulation and trials. And because you're going through trouble and tribulation and trials, you are being tempted. I know that. But are you trusting God? Are you trusting his plan? Are you willing to wait on him? Are you willing to move past disappointment? Are you willing to endure the pain, despising the shame, so that you can reach God's goal for your life. That's the temptation. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word, and we're thankful that Jesus was, in all points, tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. We're so thankful that we have a high priest who has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and even now he sits at your right hand, and he makes intercession for us, and he doesn't just plead for us, without experience, no, he's experienced betrayal and disappointment and injustice and torture and and false accusations and the cross, the shame of the cross in order to accomplish your will. Teach us, Lord, the, the way of the cross so that we are not careless in our um, Christianity. We're not Americanizing it, and just trying the easiest way, but we are committed, absolutely committed, to serve and worship you regardless of the cost. Open our eyes to where we need to change. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.